This is Security Now with Steve Gibson, episode 22 for January 12th, 2006, the Windows Metafile Backdoor. Leo Laporte here with Steve Gibson. We're back again, and once again, we're going to put off our discussion yeah. of how the Internet works because we've got a blockbuster story for you tonight. Yeah, we have to delay again. Again, we, you know, we'll always do what needs to be done and then get back to our regularly scheduled programming. Okay, so uh, first let's just uh, uh, circle back to uh, previous episodes, catch up with anything we left out there. Any, anything um, you want to yeah. update? There were a couple things in our sort of in my category of, of errata. Someone made the point that I refer to hackers as hackers rather than as crackers. Oh, we get and this every time. I get this I so often. Let's I address it. Uh, yeah, exactly. So I wanted to say something about it. You know, for me, the, the, the term cracker just, I don't know, it sounds like, you know, what African-Americans refer to white guys as or, or like a saltine. It just doesn't seem serious and evil and... And so, you know, I try to say malicious hacker, but, you know, on the fly, on, you know, when you and I are talking, I just say hacker. The and point these guys are trying to make is that the hacking profession is an old and honorable one. The Internet wouldn't exist without hackers. Unix wouldn't exist without hackers. GNU, I mean, hacking is not in and of itself bad. And so when we say bad, talk, talk about bad guys as hackers... They feel like we're besmirching the hacking community. Exactly. And, you know, I mean, it, it's, well, and it's two things. It's a shorthand, and also whether these people, these purists, the hacker purists, like it or not, the definition, the sort of the publicly accepted definition of hackers is changing to the dark side. Yeah. So, for example, when I talk to people not in the industry, not who are not like saying, wait a minute, do you mean a malicious hacker or one of those good guy hackers? You know, I mean, they know that hackers are bad. And so... I think you can tell. The English is a very subtle language. You can tell from the context. We don't have to tell you. We're talking about good hackers or bad hackers. There are right. both. And just right. listen to what we're saying, and I think it'll be obvious. What I say when people, and I get this all the time still, and I just say, look, we're trying to communicate in a language, a common language, and if most people don't understand cracker, and they do understand hacker, that's the word we're going to use. You're just going right. to, we're going to have to trust you and your good brains to figure oh, out what kind of And Leo, if we started saying about. cracker all the time, I'm sorry, it's not gonna... <laughs> that would cause a lot more confusion. <laughs> it would be very confusing. Uh, Saltines? What are they talking about? Yeah. So you, okay. we, we know there are good hackers i consider uh, steve a hacker of of the yeah. best kind i mean hack away a code and i've done a little hacking in my time but none of us neither of us have to my knowledge anyway cracked into other people's computers that's a no. different kind of hacker no. and you know okay the the, the uh the second thing here in errata category is many people followed the advice from two weeks ago where which was microsoft's initial advice about this windows metafile vulnerability of unregistering that shell image viewer dll s-h-i-m-g-v-w dot dll and after the Microsoft's patch came out last week, um, early, as, 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 as we know, um, they couldn't find the instructions for re-registering. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's simple to do. It's regserve32 space shimgvw.dll does it. Um, in fact, it's probably in your run 
command, if you scroll down, you'll see the one with a dash U, which means unregister. Just remove the dash U, and it re-registers it. But I've also given um, the complete instructions, which were on the show notes for 20. I've moved just the re-registration part over to the show notes for today's show, for episode 22. So anybody who wants to get it directly from the from the web page, just go to the show notes for 22. And Leo, I imagine you might want to put that on your page, too. I will. Because lots of people have said, hey, I've lost all my thumbnails. Now right. what do I do? And that was a bad fix from Microsoft. It didn't really fix the problem. And um, there's a better fix. In fact, uh, Ilfax fix was better, and now Microsoft's fix. And by the way, does Microsoft's fix work still? I mean, are we still happy with it? Oh, yes. Um, what they did was to remove this feature, uh, which is what I think it actually is, from Windows after it was discovered. Now, let's... You just said something, <laughs> and I think we can move on. Are you ready to move on to the... Yeah. Okay, yeah. let's talk about um, when you said what I think it really is. Well, remember that last week, uh, the way things ended was we weren't sure whether Microsoft was going to fix the earlier versions of Windows. They were saying that they were they were offering a fix for Windows 2000, XP, 64, 2003, but not for the older versions of Windows because... Because the problem wasn't as bad on those machines. They said there is a problem there, but it's not as bad, whatever that means. And so I made the statement, hey, you know, if Microsoft ends up not fixing this, I'm going to fix it. Because, you know, who wants to be using a machine, no matter how old it is, where you go to a website and display a bad image and get your machine taken over. That's not okay. Even though it takes more, apparently, on those machines to display a Windows Metafile image. You have to have, you know, something needs to have registered the the handling of Windows Metafiles. But, you know, the, the Irfan View program is a known way of displaying Metafiles that is vulnerable, and many people use that. Yeah. So, you know, and, you, again, so you know, this confirms been, that you are vulnerable if you're using Windows 95, 98, or ME. Is that right? You are vulnerable to the WMF flaw if no. you have something that can view Windows um, metafiles. Um, I'm still not sure, oh. and this sort of leads us into what I've been doing for the last week and what I've discovered. Okay. Um, what I decided to do was, you know, oh, and we should say that Microsoft, as most people probably know who are running the older versions of Windows, they've been left out to dry. What happened was Microsoft's original vulnerability report on their page listed all the versions that were affected by this Windows Metafile vulnerability. And I'm putting vulnerability in quotes now, so you you can hear those quotes around vulnerability. Um, uh, What happened later is that they moved Windows, the earlier versions on Windows 98, Second Edition, and ME, and NT, out of that category. Well, it turns out that in the process of doing that, it became a non-critical vulnerability by their definition. And their definition for what's critical is sort of amazing. I mean, and, and this is from a page on their website. They say a, a vulnerability in Windows is critical only if its exploitation could allow the propagation of an Internet worm without user action. In other words, n- anything else is not critical. Well, Which that's is, surprising because many of their patches, in fact, they call critical, although they don't allow the propagation of Internet worms. Exactly. 
And why so, are they why are they fudging it like that? It, it's amazing. And and so get this: the next level down from critical is an important uh, severity rating. An important severity is a vulnerability whose exploitation could result in compromise of the confidentiality, integrity, or availability of users' data, or of the integrity or availability of processing resources. Ah, so a rootkit is actually not a critical vulnerability; it's just an important vulnerability. A very good point. So I mean, they in Microsoft's they've, language, which well, is they've, clearly well, they've defined, they've, absurd. Yeah, they've defined this so that I mean, almost nothing now right. is a critical vulnerability. Right. And then by moving the older versions of Windows out of that category, they said, "Oh, well, yes, we've agreed that we will patch older versions of Windows critical vulnerabilities." But we're no longer maintaining those older versions for non-critical vulnerabilities. In other words, this allowed them last week to say, oh, this Windows Metal File exploit is non-critical, not, not critical. so the older versions of Windows we're not going to fix. In their defense, I, I guess what you could say is, well... Uh, if people choose to run an old, out-of-date operating system, we really can't be held accountable for it unless it impacts the health of the Internet. In other words, if you choose to run an old operating system, we're not going to protect you, but we will we'll, we'll do our duty and protect the Internet. I mean, that's not unreasonable, is it? And, and I also agree that you know, it makes sense for them to set some sort of sunset provision here where they're not being obligated to like for example go back and patch windows 3.0 yeah or i mean you know or, or 95 think you know the real legacy os is that sure you could have put that on the internet but you know it's just so old you know where does microsoft's responsibility end so you know i'm not arguing i guess with this but if in fact these machines are vulnerable then i had committed and i believe i should fix them for people because Microsoft it was very clear then last week was not going to. And by so, the way, if my, even if Microsoft doesn't consider it critical, certainly everybody else does including the users who are sus susceptible to this. Well, and there's still millions of Windows yeah. 9X and ME systems out there on I mean actively right. on the internet that are now in some sort of unknown limbo state. So so over the weekend, I, I rolled up my sleeves and sort of switched into what was really hacker mode. Um, you know, normally I'm writing code. Now it's like, okay, I'm going to do sort of fo follow in Ilfax's footsteps. Right. And I wanted to acquire an understanding of exactly what this problem was in order to create a, in order to, to, to determine for myself first if, in fact, these older versions of Windows were actually vulnerable. And then if so, I would have a, certainly have a head state on how to cure that vulnerability. So I started with what was known, which was the vulnerability in our, our existing versions of Windows, you know, 2000 XP and so forth. And basically created from scratch my own GRC-style vulnerability testing tool. And you know there was you know code snippets from the hacking sites and and and, and Ilfac had in fact published the source for his tester. Uh, mine ends up working differently because uh, I again I, I wrote it from scratch. I have a different approach, but I had a hard time getting this vulnerability to, to trigger. I I was creating meta files. I was using this you know this escape uh, uh, set abort proc procedure that we knew was sort of the vector of exploitation, mine wasn't working. And this and is in Windows 98 you're talking about? 
No, this is Windows 2000. Oh, oh, you couldn't you know, even get on, it in 2000. I removed the patch from my system, and I could not get the exploit to trigger hmm. using a metafile that I created on my w- with my own code. It just, it you know, it came back and said could not play the metafile, but it wouldn't run any of my own code. So, you know, I scratched my head. I looked at, you know, at the other samples of malicious metafiles. And, you know, there's the way a metafile is built is there's a header, a, a set of a set of bytes that's the header that talks about what version of Windows it's using, how large the whole metafile is, what the size of the largest metafile record contained within the metafile is. Sort of it, it gives some, Windows some orientation for the subsequent processing of these metafile records. Then you have a series of metafile records where each one starts out with a four-byte size of that record in words, then a two-byte function number, which is what type of metafile record this is, then followed by between zero or however many data that function requires. So it's, it's pretty straightforward. Well, it turned out that, first of all, um, the way this this escape function was working was it didn't strike me as like erroneous. That is, what this set escape abort or I'm sorry, the the escape uh, set abort proc function does. The idea is that when when an application is printing to the printer. It creates something called a device context. I got to get a little bit tricky here with Windows terminology, but you know everyone will be able to follow along. Um, it creates a, a what's called a, a printer device context where things like the thickness of the pen, the color of the pen, the the size of the paper, sort of all the things that are about the context of this printing page are stored. So, so. Once the application has a page ready, it turns it over to Windows and says, okay, here, go print this. And essentially, it's done with that page, and it gets on about its business. For example, maybe getting the next page ready to hand over to Windows to print. The problem is, what if the user aborted that page, that is, aborted the printing of the page, after it had been handed over to Windows? Since the application that's doing the printing has already turned responsibility for the printing over to Windows, there's really no way for Windows to say, hey, oops, uh, just want to let you know the user canceled your, your, your print job. Mm-hmm. So this set abort proc, is a, it, it, it's a means for giving that printer context, that printer device context, a, a subroutine that Windows can call back in the application it's called a callback in fact because windows calls back the application to notify it if the user or, or or something causes an abort of the print job so you know that's what it is it's it's well understood it's it's it makes complete sense in a printer device context so uh, well, my understanding of it and uh, and the general understanding of it has changed a little bit it is. It's just simply a callback routine that's designed for uh, aborting a printing process, so that you can call back the calling the calling program. Yeah. It. It basically you're giving Windows a pointer. You're you're giving Windows a pointer to um, a, a subroutine in your code mm-hmm. and telling Windows if the user aborts the print job, and I've given you a pointer, then call that subroutine of mine 
which is a way of, for Windows to notify the application. That's what that is. Right. Well, okay. First of all, it makes no sense at all in a metafile device context. In, in the context of processing a metafile, uh, setting the a printer abort is crazy because it's not a printer context. You don't print metafile contexts in, in, in this way. It's just, it's not the way it's done in Windows. So, so it doesn't make sense, but it's like, okay, well, so maybe, you know, it's there anyway. They didn't think to remove it or, or take it out. Except that when I was pursuing this and finally got it to work, what Windows did when it encountered this escape function, followed by the set abort proc um, metafile record, was it jumped immediately to the next byte of code and began to execute it. That is, it's, it, wasn't, it was no longer interpreting my metafile records record by record, which is the way metafiles are supposed to be processed. You don't actually execute the metafile. It's, as we said before last week, and I think the week before, it's sort of a script. It, it's a script of of Windows graphics calls that allow you to specify, you know, draw a rectangle from here to here, draw a line from there to there, and it, it's in a, in a nice sort of device-independent fashion. So you don't run the code in the metafile, but what Windows did when it encountered this particular nonsensical sequence was to start executing the next byte of code in the metafile. Hmm. And it's like, okay, wait a minute. Why? You know, that's crazy. <laughs> but what's even more crazy is what it took for me to make it do this. As I said before, each record in a metafile begins with a four-byte length followed by a two-byte function number. So in, in other words, each metafile record has six bytes minimum that it can possibly be in size. And if you... Um, uh, oh, and since the the size is in words, the smallest possible size for a metafile record would be three words long, or six bytes. Well, the reason I had problems making this exploit happen initially is I was setting the length correctly. It turns out that the only way to get Windows to misbehave in this bizarre fashion is to set the length to one which is an impossible value. I tried setting it to zero, it didn't trigger the exploit. I tried setting it to two, no effect. Three, no effect. And nothing, not even the correct length, only one. Now, why were you experimenting? Wasn't, isn't the exploit well known and documented and aren't there, isn't there exploit code floating around? No, I mean, what we've got, Leo, is a bunch of misunderstanding and sort of strange half-explanations. I mean, So, you know, so no, frankly, none of the hacker sites have exploit code up? Um, oh, no, many of them do, but no one is really looking. See, they don't care about how Windows is working. They just want to get their code to run. Right. And so, you know, because I'm a developer when I'm not being a hacker... Um, I wanted to understand. Oh, and the other thing is, I want to write a robust testing application. You know that that always works all the time. So I wanted to know, like, okay, what bytes have to be set which way? What matters? What doesn't? Because you know that's the way you get something that is as solid as you know the code that I put out from GRC. So what I re what I found was that when I deliberately lied about the size of this record 
and set it set the size to one and no other value and I gave this particular byte sequence that makes no sense for a metafile then Windows created a thread and jumped into my code began executing my code okay Leo this was not a mistake this is not buggy code this was put into Windows by someone we're, we are never going to know who, we're never going to know, well, actually, I'm going to find out when, because we're going to know when this appeared. Because this appeared, I'm guessing, this is not in older versions of Windows, which is why this function, or, or if it is in older versions of Windows, it's done slightly differently. I'm, gonna, I'm still on the hunt. So this is not my last report on this. I expect <clears throat> to have a, a, a much better sense for this a week from now. But... But the only conclusion I can draw is that that there has been code from at least Windows 2000 on, and in all current versions and even you know future versions, until it was discovered, which was deliberately put in there by some group we don't know how at what level or how large in Microsoft that gave them the ability that they who knew how to get their Windows systems to silently and secretly run code containing an image, those people would be able to do that on remotely located Windows machines. So you're saying intentionally or... Microsoft intentionally put a back door in Windows? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Well, that's a pretty strong accusation. Uh, Could this not have been a mistake? It couldn't have been a mistake. Um, I don't see how it could have been a mistake. I'm again. I'm going to continue to look at it, but from from what I've seen now, this had to be deliberate. It is not what we were led to believe. Sort of. Well, and it's funny too because then I thought, okay, wait a minute. Microsoft has lied to us. I reread the vulnerability original vulnerability spec and you know their vulnerability page and they never say this isn't the case I mean they describe it as a vulnerability which it certainly is nowhere you know is even what I'm saying contradicted by their page so you're saying Microsoft or people at Microsoft maybe unbeknownst to Microsoft intentionally put code in Microsoft Windows that it will allow anybody who knew about it to access any Windows machine, to get into the, any Windows machine and run any arbitrary code on it. Well, it's not you're not it's not like a Trojan where they would be able to contact a remote machine. But for example, if Microsoft was worried that for some reason in the future they might have cause to get visitors to their website to execute code, even if ActiveX is turned off, even if security is up full, even if firewalls are on, basically, if Microsoft wanted a short circuit, a a means to get code run in a Windows machine by visiting their website, they have had that ability, and this code gave it to them. And there was no, there'd be nothing anybody could do about it, or in most cases, detect it. So it sounds like, and I really want to be careful here, because this is a very serious accusation. It sounds like um, this was done on purpose by Microsoft or somebody at Microsoft. It sounds like it was accidentally discovered... 
Microsoft reacted and has pulled it out now. Right. May, could there be other backdoors like this? Well, yes. I mean, that's the problem with a closed source operating system. Now, I have like to Microsoft. say, when, uh, before we go any further, you're not an open source advocate. You're not a Macintosh advocate. You've been a Windows user and a Windows. And frankly, you're my staunchest Windows friend who's a Windows advocate. I, I mean, so this is not some plan on your part to discredit Microsoft. Well, no. And in fact, I'm sure, I mean, I'm hoping that we're going to see corroboration from other people who didn't think about or didn't look closely at this. I mean, frankly, if last week Microsoft had patched the older versions of Windows, I would have had no cause to look closely to understand how this exploit worked that was discovered. I believe that some very clever and industrious hacker figured this out, started using it, and Microsoft was caught off guard and thought, whoops, uh, we've got to close this back door down. Now, you know, to say that Microsoft did this, I mean, on one level, it's clearly true. But we don't know who knows about this in Microsoft. It could have been a renegade programmer working for Windows who just thought he'd throw this in for fun. Yes. I let, mean, it let me ask been, you one more time. But that's though. dangerous, too. Well, of course. But let me ask you one more. There's no you're convinced there's no way this could have happened by accident. It can't be a programming error, or bad design. No, no, I, I, I mean, you know, again, this is as much a surprise to me, Leo, as it is to, you know, anyone who hears this. I, I did not expect to see this. I expected to find, for example, that I would give it. I, that the way this exploit worked was that the set abort proc was working correctly and that I would give it a pointer to my own code a few bytes lower, then I would do something to force the metafile to abort, and then it, the metafile processing would use the pointer, the, the, you know, the legitimate set abort proc pointer, and then basically run the code that was located right there in the metafile. That's what I thought I was going to encounter, something that sort of made sense. Like, we were originally led to believe, or actually, actually, I think, you know, Microsoft didn't say anything at all. So we just all kind of presumed this was another one of those coding errors that Microsoft now famously makes and corrects on the second Tuesday of every month. This wasn't a programming error. And, you know, so it's like, whoa, when I... When I give it the magic key on the size of the meta file record, then it jumps directly into my code. Now, again, I'm I'm I will know more in a week. I have to say that you know this. I want to call this preliminary, but I don't see any way that this was not something that someone in Microsoft deliberately put into Windows. And, you know, Could this have been a, at the request of a government agency, let's say? I guess not, because as you point out, it's not a Trojan horse. You have to go to a site. You have to go to the site of somebody who knows about this exploit to yep. be taken advantage of. And in fact, the scenario you describe is really uh, the only scenario I could think of. Microsoft doing it so that if worst case happened, they would be able to update a machine. They'd be able to say, go to the Microsoft site and we'll fix you or something. I mean, it's the, the NSA wouldn't put this in because they couldn't guarantee access to any computer. I've looked back over all the documentation. I can't find anything about this documented anywhere. Th th okay, th then I said I played my own devil's advocate. Okay, so code is running in the metafile. Wouldn't that be useful? 
wouldn't it be useful if a meta file could contain executable code sort of as an undocumented feature microsoft never got around to writing about it but they said oh this would be cool mm -hmm. and we'll use the set abort proc notice that set abort proc it was just i mean it, this has nothing to do with printer aborting it was just sort of a it was a value that they had handy from other processing and they sort of reused it but this has got nothing to do with aborting printing this is so it, an almost it almost helped with the obfuscation and sort of you know the plausible deniability except that this wasn't a coding mistake and you know and you even had to put the magic key into the length of the record in order to get this to work so that and that was protection from somebody's metafile having a set of bro abort proc right. metafile record in it and tripping over this back door by mistake this is so exactly no what you would do if you were going to write a back door this is exactly how you would do it yeah. Yeah. So 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 I asked myself, isn't there like a constructive purpose for putting code in a metafile? And the problem is code running in the metafile doesn't have access to the context of the metafile. It it doesn't it doesn't know what to do with it. It you know, it's 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 powerless to 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 use the objects that Windows is using and um there seems to be no way to get back to Microsoft's code from this. Um, again, I've got some more work to do, and you know, and then the, the timing of this Security Now podcast coincided with you know I've I've known this for a day now, and I've been going back over it and trying to come up with a a, a reason, I mean a a benign reason for this, and I just don't see it. I suppose we should contact Microsoft and ask them what they think about this, but I doubt that I've, we'd get a straight I've, answer. I've tried doing that before on other issues like this, Leo, and, you know, it's it's not useful. So in, in this case, you know, Microsoft often says, well, don't reveal this stuff because give us a chance uh, to fix it because it could be a security issue. But the, the security issue's already been revealed. We're not revealing uh, anything that isn't already known. We're just asking, why is it in there? Yeah, And the answer is not very encouraging. It does make you think maybe open source is a better way to go for an operating system. At least if it were in there, somebody would have had a chance to see it. Well, and and setting this length of the metafile record to one, that breaks the metafile processing. It's not possible to like execute some code, then go back and finish things up gracefully. I mean, you've got a thread running on your own code, in your own image, and... Everything is like over at that point. I mean, it just it makes no sense. Have you contacted anybody in the security community to ask them about this? No, everyone hearing this will be learning about it from our podcast for the first time. We've got a bit of a scoop here. Um, and I want well, to reserve and, judgment and give Microsoft the benefit of the doubt. Uh, prove to us why this isn't an intentional backdoor in Windows and reassure us that there aren't any more. Well, I mean, as, as, as you mentioned a couple times here, I mean, the, the one of the advantages of an open source system is, you know, and, and I'm finding myself gravitate, gravitating more and more toward open source solutions because of their transparency. And so, you know, but an, an advantage of that is that all kinds of people are looking at the code and there's just no opportunity to, especially on, when, when you build the system yourself from source, there's no opportunity for anything evil to get stuck in 
and and also about this what appears to be a Windows metafile backdoor that's always been in Windows from 2000 on. You know, they've done recently serious security reviews of all their code. You know, they took that whole time out from mm -hmm. all the work they were going to be doing and said they were rereading all their code. And this is not the first time metafiles have had a problem. There have been what are probably real bugs in metafile processing in the past. I think two of them. So the whole metafile system would have come under the scrutiny of someone, you know, very deliberately. Now, you know, if Microsoft had said last week, whoops, this was an undocumented backdoor or means for us to run code in a metafile, we never documented it, um, our security sweeps didn't find it, blah, 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 but nothing was said. They, they allowed the industry to believe that this was just like all their other code mistakes, but this wasn't like all their other code mistakes. Well, it's a very serious indictment of, uh, if not of Microsoft, maybe of a renegade programmer inside Microsoft. Would, if you were doing a code review, would this kind of thing stand out? Would it be fairly obvious that something was going on? Yeah. I mean, they, they, I've seen Microsoft source code. In the old days, they used to publish the source for, for what's called the, the DDK, the device um, driver uh, kit mm -hmm. and you know they're very cautious about you know on a module by module basis there's the the person's name or initials and when they made changes and what they made to the code that follows so i mean again leo we're we're never going to know for sure i mean i've been in this position with microsoft in the past or similar positions and you know it's very difficult to get a straight answer from them um, so I don't know what their source says, but it seems to me that somebody had to have seen relatively recently, certainly since 2000, Windows 2000, had to have looked at the code, seeing that this was something that was there, and just kind of nodded to himself and said, yep, that's what we want to have in our metafile processing code. Wow. Well, I'm sure we'll hear more about this. Uh, I think you probably are going to stir up a hornet's nest here. And if Microsoft would like to come on the show and respond, you absolutely are welcome to do so. Um, I'd yeah, like to hear I'm gonna, an explanation. I'm, I'm going to continue looking at this. The, the unanswered question is, when was this installed in Windows? My, my hunch is it actually wasn't ever in the earlier versions of Windows. Um, I'm going to look for it and, and see what I can find, but it feels to me like this was something added later and that the older versions are in fact not vulnerable and have never been vulnerable. Hmm. But again, I haven't looked there. I don't know for sure. I haven't also looked at Windows code itself. So far, my work has just been from the outside, you know, poking at this, trying to get the behavior from Windows that I expect. So again, I, it may be that a week from now I come back with my with my tail between my legs and say, Leo, you know, uh, I I told what I believed to be the case at the time. I've now I see how this makes sense, and something that you know that I see in the code didn't occur to me. I, have, I haven't done that yet, so that's what I'll be doing. We'll certainly know more in a week. But everything, to me, looks like this had to have been put in Windows 
in many versions of Windows for a long time and that someone just discovered it, so Microsoft had to take it out. Wow. Well, it's a blockbuster. That's a real bombshell, Steve Gibson. Uh, I, uh, of course, there's, at this point, uh, the good news is uh, Microsoft has released a patch that fixes it, and so we don't have to worry about at least this backdoor. Um, as a matter of fact, um, my little tester is finished. It's still going to undergo more development. But since I believe this is a backdoor, my tester is called Knock Knock. <laughs> and you can get that at grc.com slash securitynow.htm. That's where you can also get the show notes, the transcripts, and the 16-kilobit versions of this show. Of course, we thank the folks at AOL Radio and their podcast channel for broadcasting the show and for providing us with bandwidth for the download. Um, quite a blockbuster, Steve Gibson. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the reaction's going to be, but I can tell you, uh, there's going to be one and we'll continue well, to cover this. This is the way it looks to me. Um, I, I do want to mention that this knock, knock XE is still in development. It currently only runs on the newer versions of windows. Cause that's all, all that my research has extended to so far. And it's when I got that running that I realized the implications of what I had to do in order to make that work. Just to reassure I'm, us, you can't use knock, knock as a hacker tool. It will just let you know the vulnerabilities there. It's not a hacker tool. It works. It works similar to Ilfac's vulnerability test, um, although it it executes the code in a different way. Um, I I retain control of the of the program, whereas Ilfax terminated the program after presenting the user with a little dialog box. So, so mine actually v- validates that code that, that a thread was created by Microsoft and allowed to run in my metafile image um also mine will not trigger people's av scanners whereas um other tests other vulnerability testers do however i want to make sure people understand this is not in our normal freeware files list this is not linked from my home page this is for people who are listening to security now who want to play with this little tester that runs under windows 2000 xp oh and it has been checked under the 64-bit version and both both with a vulnerable and non-vulnerable machine several people wrote saying that after applying Microsoft's patch, they still believed they were vulnerable. So I Hmm. think it had to have been pilot error, like they forgot to reboot Windows afterwards or something, Mm -hmm. because you do have to reboot Windows after applying the patch. But my little program, this little knockknock.exe, will tell you for sure on the later versions of Windows if you're vulnerable or not to this. And then I'm going to be doing the research, finally, to extend this to the earlier versions. And as you said, we may find out more about how this happened in Windows. I don't think we've heard the whole story so far, Leo. Headline reads, Security expert Steve Gibson says Microsoft intentionally put a backdoor in Windows 2000 and Windows XP, film at 11. 2064, I mean, basically all the versions from the time it first appeared. Wow. Stay tuned for more on this one. We'll be back uh, next Thursday with another edition of Security Now. Steve, uh, I'll make sure you lock your door tonight. Security now.